discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life. And most importantly, in business. On Sudden Eye Impact. With your host, Lee. The environment could be greater than, greater than. The circumstances that I'm faced with, greater than, greater than. The environment could be greater than, greater than. The circumstances that I'm faced with, greater than. Yes! And your life counts, and enthusiasm definitely makes a difference. Hello, and welcome. You're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show with your host, Lee, coming to you from the DFW Metroplex. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we have fun together, we learn together, and we encourage one another. On this show, we discuss a variety of topics such as, but not limited to, 100% responsibility, accountability, accountability partners, self-concept, consciousness, awareness, becoming the observer, the power of belief. The power of thought, the power of expectation, being of service, visionary leadership, belief systems, support systems, the mind, imagination, visualization, worthy realization of ideas, creativity, ingenuity, innovation, relationships, the power of partnership, entrepreneurship, focus, intentionality, and the power of mentorship, to name a few. On our show, we share concepts, principles, processes, and systems that work when you consistently work them, that deliver good and outstanding results. Our show's vision, mission, purpose, and intention is to discuss and deliver simple, basic, fundamental ways to help everyday people experience more fulfillment, satisfaction, enrichment, enjoyment, health, mental health, and overall peace through utilizing your own latent resources that lie dormant within you. We have a special edition on Martin Luther King Day. I have two distinguished guests with me today. I have Derek Loudermilk and Jaron Keto Banks. Uh, after the introduction and a little bit of poetry, the next voices that you will hear will be Derek Loudermilk and Jaron Banks. Derek Loudermilk is a professional adventurer, former pro cyclist, speaker, digital nomad, business coach, and founder of Adventure Quest Travel and host of the Art of Adventure podcast. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hey, Lee, it's good to be back. Happy New Year. Glad to have you. And Jaron Banks is a transformational coach, ordained minister, technology consultant, entrepreneur, storyteller, and dream traveler. He believes dreams can and will come true with the application of the right knowledge, personal commitment, and your own unique abilities. John has designed his life where he is earning a living doing what he loves and is committed to helping individuals earn a living doing what they enjoy also. He helps you stop delaying your dreams and reminds you to live your life on your own terms. John has integrated his 25 years of mentoring and coaching individual clients and businesses, business teams into a proven success system. Dream Power Academy and Spiritual Athletics are his companies where he has a big goal of helping one billion people do what they love to do. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? I'm doing great, Dwight. Thank you. Thanks for inviting Glad me Glad to on have you guys on the show. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of poetry, and then we're going to go right into it. And also, I know that uh, John, he's uh, releasing his uh, first book, 
Um, I'm expecting great things from it. So a lot of excitement on Martin Luther King Day. So I'm going to decree this right now. This is a day of greatness. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I believe in me. Do you believe in me? I am the greatest. I am great. I am the greatest. I am great. I am the greatest. I am great. Sort of like Harry told me. Rosa Parks, Venus and Serena. Ain't none. There ain't no debate. I am the greatest. I am great. I am the greatest. I am great. Sort of like Malcolm, Martin, W.E.B. Du Bois, and Carter G. Ain't none. There ain't no debate. I am the greatest. I am great. I am the greatest. I am great. Sort of like Purple Rain and Thriller. Ain't none. There ain't no debate. I am the greatest. I am great. Sort of like the MJ comparisons. Kobe, LeBron. Ain't none. There ain't no debate. I am the greatest. I am great. Energetically and poetically, I'm crushing the competition. I'm specifically here to set it straight. You be the judge. With this level of poetry, ain't no debate. It's a wrap. My one and only move is checkmate. I am the greatest. I am great. And in summary, all the before mentioned in their own way are great. Hey, John, why don't you start us out and tell us about your new book that's going to drop in about 24 hours. Yeah, thank you, Dwight. Um, my new book, which I worked on this past year, um, very interestingly, uh, I had ideas to write a book, but not this book. And uh, I was inspired by my coach. Um, and as you know, we've talked about before on this show, and I talk to many people constantly. Is um, I am a coach myself, and or you know, or a mentor to some people, but I also have my own coach and my own mentors, and so um, she helped me uh, kind of put together a vision of some things that I really wanted to share, and I wanted to keep it introductory or simple, meaning really give people the basics of what we're talking about. And I really say that the book is really about you taking the adventure to start to learn more about yourself, right? To start to go within. And you'll hear this um, in many spiritual texts. Um, you'll hear this in many of the different amazing books that are out there. They all talk about the same thing in different ways. And they talk about going within yourself and really learning about who you are. You always hear the famous words, know thyself, right? And so that's really the premise of the book, and it's really called, um, the title of the book is called Awaken to Your Adventure, right? So really coming back into ourselves and realizing that the adventure is actually us learning to master ourselves and learn more about ourselves. So that's really the premise of the book. I'm really excited. Um, I'm just happy that I did it. I'm proud of myself that i that I put it out and, and those words that I've been, I've been using those words here in the last two weeks quite a bit. I am proud. I am proud of myself. It's something that I realized that I haven't said much to myself um, throughout my life. And I've shared that with quite a few people and they've said the same thing. They're like, wow, you know, I never say that to myself. <laughs> you know, we always find ways to 
say what we could do better, which is positive, uh, but sometimes we beat ourselves up or are our own harsh critics, right? So um, I just like to pat myself on the back for once and say, hey, I actually got through writing the book. Writing a book is not easy, um, but it's not something that is beyond any of us, right? We all could do it. It just took discipline and uh, me sitting down every day and doing it. And now I officially call myself a writer, and I'm, I have more books planned, and I'm learning the craft, and uh, I'm excited. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Awesome. Derek, welcome back to the show, man. Um, Lee, yeah, can you start us out and uh, tell us about uh, the experience in Bali, you know, when you guys were um, climbing? Would you care to share that with us? Yeah, at first I just want to say that was some powerful poetry and uh, perfect. Uh, thank you for sharing that today. And uh, it's Jaron, uh, right? Uh, congrats on your book. Yep. Amazing. That's super exciting. I uh, love the title. Um, so, yeah, it's, super, it's a privilege to be here with you guys. And, uh, Lee, I think you're referring to when when we were trying to set a world record. We did set a world record for volcano climbing, three of the largest volcanoes in Bali, back to back to back. Uh, are you, You're referring to the moment when I sort of realized how these worshipers were actually creating uh the the rainy season the weather system of bali is that the one you're talking about yes indeed yeah and this uh you know i i think about this quite a lot because it was the first time i was really sort of aware of how thoughts create material reality and i think probably a lot of people have heard you know thoughts are things or our our consciousness affects our material world and certainly right like it's it's fairly obvious if you're feeling stressed stress hormone cortisol goes up so you know you're changing your your body but on a much bigger scale i had never experienced anything like this and and we were uh we were set to climb mount agung which is the largest it's called the mother mother volcano of bali it's uh it's 11 11, feet twelve thousand feet something like that so it's pretty big goes right up from sea level and we started at midnight and it was uh, there's, you know, there, that's supposed to be anybody there at midnight. And as we started on this trail, we, we walked around the temple sort of to the trailhead. And all of a sudden, there's 10,000 people there. It's unbelievable. Like, where did they all come from? How did we not hear them or even know that they were there? It was just, they were, they just sort of appeared. And, and they were winding their way up this trail, up this mountain. So we could see this long line of light just kind of going off up into the night. And and we discovered <laughs> they were they were carrying uh, you know little bundles of flowers, but also chickens, goats, pigs um, to to do a big offering. Uh, I presume to like sacrifice into the volcano. And and what they were doing, we we learned because I, I didn't speak the local language, but we learned through our guys that they were doing the ceremony to turn on rainy season. And you know, like a like a rain dance or something, but this was a a big sort of secret ceremony that they were doing. And I thought, well, isn't that cool? I'm experiencing a cultural phenomenon. You know, we had no choice but to fall in line with these worshippers and slowly make our way up the mountain. And there's grandmas and little kids and they're flip flops climbing this mountain. We were all in our mountain climbing gear and everything. 
And I, it, it hit me like sun, sun rose, bright sunny day, no clouds in the sky. Then it started clouding up. Then it started raining by the end of the day. And it rained for five months, six months after that. And so knowing that, you know, these 10,000 people had the intent for rainy season to begin, they were sort of calling it into their reality. And then just to see it start raining. Is this such a clear, like, wow, I've never seen people do that. Um, and, and since then, I've, you know, really dug into the scientific research and I, and I see uh, this, is a, this is totally possible and normal and happens all the time. And it, uh, it was just such a, such a cool experience to have that brought to my attention of what's really possible. You can change the weather for months if you just, uh, you know, sort of pray together and intend for it to happen together. Wow. Nice. I'm going to do a nice piece of poetry because this is a day of greatness, and then I'm going to come back to you, John. I love it when you call me intelligent. 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 I trust my hard work I am put in. I created a legacy, sort of like Dr. King and Bruce Lee. And my high-quality art will always remain relevant. I love it when you call me intelligent. I love it when you call me intelligent. It's not about the past or future, but most recent. I love it when you call me intelligent. And I'm seeing my ideas being birthed like babies, babies. I love it when you call me intelligent. 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 With great focus, drive, intense concentration, I am immense. Super casual, fragilist, and expialidocious. On Jehovah God, I am heaven sent. And I love it when you call me intelligent. And I'm seeing my ideas bringing forth fruit like babies, babies. I love it when you call me intelligent. 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 I trust my hard work I am put in. I created a legacy like Wayman Tisdale, Dion, Pac, MJ, and my high-quality art will always remain relevant. I am consistent, insistent, and persistent. As a matter of fact, like an angelical host, I boldly proclaim I am heaven sent. And I really, really love it when you call me infinite intelligence. Jaren. Talk to us about your dream journals and about dreams. Yeah, well, first, you know, I'm holding my stomach over here, smiling and laughing. Uh, I love the, <laughs> I love the, I love the, I love the poetry, man. It's it just gets me Thank hyped you. up, you know. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know the dreams, and I'm glad you have. You know, you invited me on with Derek because. Derek, I had a chance to listen to the previous show that you were on, and uh, Dwight, you know, said we had a lot of similarities, and I, I definitely resonate um, very closely with the, some experiences you've had in your life. And uh, dreams are something um, I always tell people that dreams came to get me when I was a kid. Like I had night terrors. Uh, nightmares from age two years old, I think, up into my mid-30s. Um, I, I mean, literally, I didn't know what to do some nights. There were nights I wouldn't sleep in my room. Um, 
just all types of ways that I could I could die. I mean, pain, snakes, monsters. I, th- I would see things in the air when I was a kid. Um, and it got to a point where I kind of had a change around my late 20s where someone made a comment to me about me being intuitive and me picking up things that were going on in the space or there were messages coming to me through my dreams. And um, so I started to research more and started to see that this information was, you know, in the scriptures, in the Bible. Um, I just started studying it and realizing that there was almost like another realm, right? And um, the first thing that I did, and this is what I tell most people, and this is a message that I'll deliver again, is I just got a, a dream journal, which was just a notepad, put it next to my bed, and then um, did some conscious affirmations before I would go to sleep. And I know on the last show that uh, you were on, Derek, you shared some good information about that, like consciously stating your intentions before you go to sleep. And I would I would just say, I will, I will remember my dreams, right? And I would say that to myself. I would write that down. And then I just started remembering my dreams, and I would start to record them. Um, and I've been doing that since probably age 26. I have now probably 18 dream journals, um, and these are thick books of dreams that I've just recorded. Um, some dreams have been prophetic in my life. I think I shared that one of those major dreams on one of the shows earlier on your show, Dwight. Um, some dreams have helped me actually evade. Uh, situations that could have been life-threatening. Other dreams have been um, just giving me insight for the day. Um, and now I'm still learning more and growing. I got a chance to study this this uh, this summer with um, some of the traditional methods of dream travel um, with some of the ancient indigenous peoples through Mexico, going all the way back to the Aztecs, um, the Mayans, and um, there's a great teacher there who's who's teaching quite a bit. Um, Sergio Mangana, um, he he has some uh, teachings that I've got a chance to work with him. So I started to realize that that was culturally, as I've been studying these things that we're doing with dreams, these were culturally standard, like how we turn on the water and drive cars in our communities, right? Um, being able to remember your dreams and transmit that information to the tribe or to your community, that was a common thing. And if you look at the different groups around the world, um, the Aboriginal groups, the groups, uh, many tribes in Africa, um, the traditional shamans that even come from Russia, all through Mexico, South America, New Zealand with the Maori, um, the Hawaiian peoples, the original peoples there, um, all these different groups. And then, of course, uh, even my heritage, going back to the uh, the Karankawa in South Texas, the Cherokee, and um, and then even when you go look at someone like Harriet Tubman, if you go look at her stories, they said that she would be on the Underground Railroad uh, taking slaves uh, places, right? And she would just drop down in the middle of going someplace and go into like a dream state or a meditation, and she'd wake back up. 
and tell the team, hey, we're going this way. And they'd be like, oh, that's not the way we said we we're going to go. And she goes, no, we have to go a different way. And um, I read that people would come back later and tell them, yeah, they were, there were um, armed men waiting for them on the other route. And Harriet was able to, to see, actually, like vision and see things and her movements. And that's how she was able to maneuver through all those places. And so I've heard so many powerful stories through my life of people who have gone into these states, whether that's resting or sleeping, and some people it may be more of a meditative state, right? And so um, I think it's powerful what we can do, but I always say the beginning for me was just getting a dream journal, which can be anything to write on, keeping that with you, putting that next to your bed, and just having the intention that I'm going to remember my dreams. Um, Because I've met several people who, Say they don't dream, they don't remember their dreams. That's not true. Um, Many of us, we all dream. It's just you're not remembering them, and maybe you um, have an intention that you can't, right? And so you just switch that to I can, and you start um, having that intention and be patient, and uh, messages and things will start to come through. Now, we can go into a whole nother (laughs) show about, you know, the meaning of dreams and and the uh, different things that come through, but I always tell people that no one can interpret your dream but you. And that's what I always help people with is to I help people to interpret their own dreams, but I, I shy away from ever telling someone this is what that means. I always feel um, whatever messages you receive, um, you're the author or the creator of what that means for you. So um, that's a that's still quite a bit, but that's kind of my beginning on how dreams um, operate in my life. And obviously, my company, Dream Power Academy, was based off of the dreams and the power that I received um, through many of those visions. Well stated. I'm going to interject some more poetry, and then I'm going to come to you, Derek, about lucid dreams. This one's titled Ambitious as a Writer. I won't deny you. I'm a good writer. You don't want to challenge me. I got personification, metaphors, and similes. It is all relatively so simple to me, and I compose effortlessly. I won't deny you. I'm a great writer. You don't want to compete against me. I got rhetorical prowess and words by the ton. I assure you, after the so-called battle is over, you will establish you was only poking fun and really didn't want none. I won't deny you. I'm an amazing writer, and you really desire to express words like me but you couldn't get into the rhythm and flow like D. Lee. Give it up. Raise my arms. The victory is mine unanimously. You knew how to compete like Barkley, but not how to win. You've competed. You've been a witness. Be real and give your testimony on the greatness you experienced through me. The next poem, I love this poetry. Twiddle D, twiddle D, twiddle D. I'm out to scientifically, mathematically, and molecularly solve this mystery. Man! I love this poetry. Definitely, I am consumed allegorically with symmetry and synchronicity. Man, I love this poetry. Metaphorically and metaphysically with heightened rhetorical propensity and star ability with grace emphatically, I express non-cynically. Man, I love this poetry. Elegantly and eloquently, I mean lyrically, I release this heavenly arranged words effortlessly and composing deliberately. Man, I love this poetry. Lavishly and open-heartedly, I create wordplay, literally, figuratively, releasing all the greatness within D. Lee. Man, 
I love this thing called P-O-E-T-R-Y, poetry. Derek, talk to us about how to have lucid dreams and use dream time for guidance in business and creativity. Ooh, man, that poetry is spot on for me today. That's so good. Uh, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. I <laughs> love it all. <laughs> and great choice bringing us uh, us two dreamers together here. Yeah, lucid dreaming is is the becoming aware of when you're dreaming. And I would say only 1% of my dreams are lucid dreams. I keep a journal uh, just like Darren. And um, yeah, it's some of, the, some of the most powerful experiences come when lucid dreaming. And it, I, I wanted to lucid dream for a long time before, before I ever got around to it. So it did take some, some practice. You know, the first part was getting the dream journal and remembering the dreams and then intending to become aware. There's different ways of training it in, in the, uh, in the series of, of books, uh, of Carlos Castaneda books, the, the Mexican shaman Don Juan is saying, you, you look at your hands in the dream. You can train yourself during a normal day to look at your hands and, and ask yourself if you're dreaming. And this is actually a really interesting kind of fun thing to do. But everybody listening right now can ask themselves, are you dreaming right now? And how do you know if you're dreaming right now? And if you get used to checking in with your reality during waking time, you can also do it in dream time. And then, you know, the first time I had a lucid dream, uh, there was a bunch of characters, a bunch of dream characters that I realized had been showing up night after night in my dream. And they were trying to get me to lucid dream. And they were, they were kind of annoyed that I just wasn't getting it. (laughs) At first I was so, so thick. Uh, But, but they, they said, okay, welcome to your lucid dream. You're now aware. And I was so excited. Um, the first thing I did was I uh, I made my wife appear in my dream. And I told her, I was like, I'm having a lucid dream. Isn't this great? And she was like, yes, that's, that's great, honey. Uh, <laughs> so in lucid dreams, you can make people appear. You can change the scene. If you're indoors, you can become outdoors. If you, if you want to fly, you can start flying. Uh, you can basically do anything you want. And you're not bound by the same, you know, as in dream time in general, you're not bound by the same laws of physics or things taking a long time, right? If you want to build a house in a dream, it's just, it's just built. You don't have to go get all the stuff and go through all that labor of actually doing it. So it's, it's actually, it's also great training for being a manifester in 3D waking life uh, because you can do it instantaneously in dream time. And so, so in this first lucid dream, I, these, these dream characters, they were like, okay, now that you're awake, now that you're aware, we're going to initiate you into the secret group. And we meet here in dream time regularly. So it was like a club. It was like a business mastermind that met in lucid dream time. And there's people that said, like, I'm from around the world. You know, like, I'm from Bulgaria. I'm from London. I'm, you know, different places. And so that, so that was just really cool. You know, they gave me a special emblem that I could be part of their club. Um, and so that was, that was really neat just to, just to have that experience of uh, presumably these are other people sort of dreaming at the same time that I'm asleep and we're all sort of meeting together in dream time. And, and I looked up the science. You can, you can co-dream with people. You can share the same dream and validate it with a third party afterwards. 
like I saw a blank in the dream and I saw a blank in the dream and, you know, third party confirmed that we both experienced the same thing at the same time, which is super cool. So there's a consciousness link there. Um, Yeah. So lucid dreaming is amazing. And, you know, I've come to just appreciate just your, your run of the mill random dreams where you're just, uh, just doing something. Uh, Last night, uh, I dreamed I was buying my friend's wife a, uh, a winter hat, but it was a beautiful winter hat. And whenever people that I know show up in my dream, I usually just send them a text, send them an email. Hey, you were in my dream, and this is what was happening. Isn't that neat? And sometimes they were they were meaning to reach out to me, or sometimes and sometimes these people become clients or customers, or sometimes these people say, "Oh my gosh, uh, that's so cool that you say that because I've been meaning to do the same thing." Or I've even had friends start dating because they were in my dream, and I both told them, and they ended up dating. So usually I'll ask, you know, is there any Anything indicated for me to actually do once I realize, once I write down my dream, should I, um, should I call somebody? Should I, um, you know, write down something? Is, is there actions that I need to be taking from the information in my dream? And so the reason this applies to business and I, and I have my clients solve their biggest problems or I have them seek the ideal way to, to find customers or clients. If you set that intention at night, to if, if you have a big decision to make, should I incorporate my business in Texas? Should I, uh, should I move? Should I travel to Bali or to Portugal? You, you know, whatever decision you have, and you can ask yourself, subconscious mind, will you show me in my dreams what I should do? Or should, can you give me some guidance? And so whatever intention you're holding before you fall asleep, you'll usually get some good information around what what you can be doing and if it's not clear if it's just like a bunch of symbols and you're like that doesn't doesn't make any sense to me you can ask again you can say okay can you tell me a little more clearly in a way that i will remember so that i can actually use this please unconscious mind and then try again the next night uh and and usually you you will get some really you know the perfect information you need at the perfect time um so yeah, and also I just wanted to comment. Um, is it Jaron or Jaron? Uh, I think it was. I didn't know that about Harriet Tubman, but how valuable is that, right? To be able to avoid uh, trap, to be able to avoid armed men. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know that about her, but that of course she was such a great leader um, with his extra special powers. Yes. Awesome yes. and well stated. This poem is titled, I Flow, I Know. I flow, I flow, I flow, I know. I flow, I flow, I know. I flow, I flow, I know. Bringing that yes vibration. Bringing that yes vibration. Bringing that yes vibration. Can't you feel the sensation? Get excited with anticipation. Then comes the manifestation with demonstration and appropriation. I flow, I flow, I flow, I know. I flow, I flow, I know. I'm just excited today with a lot of energy. Jay Banks, talk to us about conscious language and body language. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I I actually naturally flowed into a little bit of conscious language earlier, and I'll go back to that just to give you a understanding of how our language helps shape our reality, right? So earlier Derek talked about the um, the people that were literally all working together to go through their rituals um, of visualization or a spiritual process of bringing in the rain, right? So they were focusing on that. Then um, you, you just heard him talk about the intention before you go to sleep, right, asking the question. So if you look at all those operations, it's like you're taking a blank canvas and you're starting to draw out your picture of what you want to create, right? And we always have heard that we are creators. Like my, my mother always says that we're many creators, right? We're, uh, we, we've been created by the great creator, but we have the ability to create. And so we create by what we think, what we feel, but also what we say. And the power with the language is when we say it with feelings or emotions, meaning it's coming from our heart. And we've always said something. If, if you've ever always say it, always say it this way. If, you, if you're speaking to someone and you're not thinking about what you're saying, that's from your heart. So if you ever think about when you're speaking to someone and you're just it's just coming out, right? Um, and then later a person's like, "Wow, you just said that," and you're like, "What did I?" Say? You know, sometimes you don't even remember what you said, but it's you're, it's like you're in alignment. And that doesn't mean that it's always positive or negative, right? Uh, but there's times where you're uh, in alignment with what you're saying, and it's almost like you're creating your world then. And that's where the language, it's important to understand and to start to practice control, right? Thoughts are things, feelings are things, but what you say also is powerful. So earlier, you know, if I'm speaking to, I speak to a lot of people, clients as well, who will say, well, I don't dream. So you hear that language, they'll say, I don't dream, I can't dream. Now they're creating their reality. So they'll say, well, what can I do how can you help me? And I always say, well, the first thing you can do, I say, what's that? And I always ask them, right, because I want them to consciously get it and then say it. What's the what's the opposite of I can't dream? And sometimes people will sit there, you know, for minutes. Uh, uh, well, you know, I don't know. They'll say that first. And then, then I'll, I'll keep playing with what we, we call it the illusion or like it's not the true self, right? And so where it's like this it's this paradigm or this program that's running. And so you just start to play with it. It's like, okay, well, who would know, <laughs> right? So when the person says, I don't know, well, well, who would know? And then usually the person kind of laughs and it says, well, I would know. I said, okay. And so then I ask the question again. Then the person will kind of say it almost like a question. I, I can dream? So you hear the tone? It's like, I can dream? It's like a question. And then I'll say, yeah, but repeat that again. And then they'll say, I can dream. And it gets to the point where you hear it where the person's actually owning it. And so that's how conscious language works. And so I always tell people the easiest way to start to play with this when you feel your body, just, just look at some money or think about 
money that you have and say the money and then come back and say my money and feel the difference in your body. You will feel it instantly. And I love to use money because money is, it's, you know, it's something that is used by all of us. It's a major um, subject that comes up. But when you say the money versus my money, you can actually feel a difference in the vibration in your body. And that's the power of conscious language. And then I mentioned the body. There's body language. Now, we naturally, as children, have already learned there's so much going on, right, that's unconscious that, you know, or I would say, I, t I take that back, um, let's cancel unconscious, nonverbal. And so they say most of communication is nonverbal. And so if you watch people, you can see their body language. And so a lot of times, you know, how a person presents themselves, how they come in, how they walk, you may not consciously think about it, but you're more attracted to talk to a person who kind of has their shoulders up, they're walking with some speed, they're, you know, they have a smile on their face, um, they look like they're enjoying life. You're probably going to resonate to go talk with that person versus the person who's slunched over, they're frowning, they're dragging their feet. Um, that's all the ways that body language works. Like you see it all the time, right? You can, you can walk and you can see someone and you say, man, it looks like they're in pain. Right? You haven't talked to the person. They haven't told you about an injury, but you look at them. Well, look how, look at how animals operate, especially dogs. Dogs are always looking at their owner's body language. If you ever notice, a dog looks at its owner's body language when it sees when the, their owner sees you to to determine how to respond to you. Animals are constantly looking at our body language. And what's powerful about body language is when you get into what I call a safe, secure space, um, the body sometimes will tell the truth, even though the person consciously is trying to say something else. So, you know, we, you know, we're not videotaping this, but this happens all the time, right? I'll ask a client something, and they'll start to move forward um, with information, and they'll say, "Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get a new job." But when they said that, their head was shaking no. Even though they said, I'm ready, their head's just shaking no side to side. And so I'll tell them, uh, you know that your head just said no. And so then I'll ask them again, "Is are you really ready? And the person will be like, well, well, I'm kind of nervous. And, I, you know, and the truth will come out. So the body language and the conscious language, they kind of go hand in hand. You can hear people say things. I know you and I, Dwight, had a powerful conversation on one of our mastermind calls, and I tell people the codes are always in the language. And this is something that we hear all the time, and I like to share this, especially on this, on this day, because you'll notice, think about the things that Martin Luther King stated, and think about the things that we hear all the time. And... You've heard about the war on drugs, the war on crime, the war on terror, the war on cancer. Whenever you hear somebody talk about the war on something, that means they're going to—they're actually trying—they're they're actually stating they want—they want to increase increase it. They're actually there's actually going to be more of it. 
And if you go back and look at the examples through um, the last 20, 30 years of people who've come on TV and talked about, hey, we're going to go, we're going to have a war on crime and all this, more of it has come about. More violence, more issues. Why? Because you're focusing on creating a struggle or an interaction with that thing versus think about Martin Luther King. He got on stage and had a speech, one of his most powerful speeches, and he said, I have a dream, and he gave a vision of something that we still haven't completely achieved here in the United States or the world, but he gave the vision, right? He gave an image for us to look to, so it was something for us to move to. So that is the same way that conscious language and body language works. It's like if you're looking to have more money, why would you be talking about getting out of debt? You see, like that's that shows you the, the contradictions in the language. You know, many people will say, oh, I want to get into a better relationship. Well, what do you want to do? And then, you know, one of my clients told me last last week, I want to stop dating deadbeat guys. I'm like, okay, we got to change that, <laughs> right? Because if always say, if your words were a picture, what would the picture be? That's the simplest way for me to explain it. Like, if you're stating something and you're drawing that now into a picture, you heard what I just said. You know, the lady said she wanted to stop dating deadbeat guys. That would not be a positive picture for her, right? So she switches that, though. The, but the, the key is in the opposite of it. The key is always right there. A person can find the gift in the negative. So sometimes people, it's easier for people to write down the 10 things they don't like about their life. And then I just ask them, okay, what's the opposite of those? And then I'll say, that's what you're actually here for. Like your 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 code of who you are is still here. You're actually just, um, you put it, you've turned it upside down on its head, right? Because of some traumatic event or something you were taught in life. So I know I kind of went around a couple of different ways, but that's the that's the power of what we can do with conscious language and with what I like to call sacred body language. It's a space where the body starts to communicate directly to to you, and you'll see this even today if you walk out in your life. You'll see people's bodies are communicating to you and their motions and the way they carry themselves um, every second. Amazingly stated. Thank you. I am the coldest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it, but I promise I'm going to show it. I am the coldest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it. Almost like thought. I mean the wind. You can't see it, but show can't feel it. I am the coldest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it. Almost like snow. I mean an avalanche of abundance. May never see it, but show can't feel it. I am the warmest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it. Almost like a severe thunderstorm. I mean a tornado. May never see it, but show can't feel it. I am the warmest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it. Almost like rain. I mean a hurricane. You rarely see it, but show can't feel it. I am the hottest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it. Almost like a four-alarm fire. I mean electricity. May never see it, but show can't feel it. I am the hottest thing out here. I don't think y'all know it. Almost like the sun. I mean a volcano in Hawaii. May never see it, but Oahu, Lahaina, Honolulu, and Maui. Show can't feel it. Derek, talk to us about the five elements of abundance and why focusing on money is keeping you poor. And could you integrate 
self image in there. Yeah, amazing stuff. Deron, I love I love what you're saying, and uh, I just wanted to comment when I uh, I get to practice that conscious language all the time when I'm talking to my kids and they're doing something they're like holding a glass vase and you don't want them to drop it, um, but then that's the negative. You you don't you you really what you want is the glass vase to stay safe and for them to stay safe, and I I think so many times we put we put these images in people's heads. Like if she probably wasn't thinking, my, my little daughter probably wasn't thinking about dropping the vase until I said, don't drop the vase. And so all of a sudden we're, we're planting that, you know, it's like, don't think about ice cream. Well, first you have to think about ice cream to not think about ice cream. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's so, so appropriate. Let's, uh, let's talk about abundance. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is this is a really great time to be thinking about abundance uh, because you, you may have heard a lot about uh, a great reset, financial reset, uh, currency reset. We don't really know what that's going to look like, but if it happens, maybe we're not using dollars anymore. Uh, maybe we move back to gold or using uh, cryptocurrency or using some some new currency that they invent. <laughs> and so, so the the way that abundance gets to you, so so many people are are tied up in thinking about currency or, or physical money uh, that they miss the bigger picture, which is true abundance is being able to do what you want when you want to do it or do what you need when you need to do it. And for that to happen in your life, money, it, it can help, but it's uh, just a small factor, right? Somebody, if you wanted a, a house, somebody could just give you a house and you wouldn't need to spend a dime on it. You could, you know, it could come to you that way. And so when you're saying, oh, I need to, I need to have money so I can do all the things that I want, you're really kind of cramping, cramping down on how the universe might deliver something to you because there's really infinite possibilities for something to happen. And, you know, let's say there's, there's gifts, right? Receiving. You can also trade something that happens a lot. It's great. And uh, people who have service jobs, right? You can trade with other people. I could, I could trade coaching with my, my barber, for example, and he could cut my hair for free. And, and I would still get my hair cut without having to pay for it. Or let's just say you, you use your dream time and you get just the right idea at the right time. That's abundance. It, it, it helps you get to where you want to go, do what you need to do when you want to do it. There's, there's um, you know, and, and this, this is enabled through, through mentorship, through relationships, the, the right opportunities at the right time. There's, there's an element of luck. There's an element of synchronicity and training yourself to be able to recognize luck, being prepared for good luck, being prepared to take advantage of lucky opportunities is, is going to allow that abundance to flow. And so money is just a small picture. And so imagine if, you know, if I said, oh, you have to limit yourself to only 20% of the abundance you could experience uh, with your focus on money. And so because because relationships are uh, such a great vehicle for all the different aspects of abundance, you can get ideas, you can get gifts, you can trade, you can, you can get money through relationships. I think focusing on relationships is a much broader way to bring abundance into your life. And, and so the best place to start with that is, is with this, you know, you get out what you put in. One of the basic laws of the universe 
you get out what you what you put in. There's a reciprocity to things. And so in your relationships, just focusing on adding to them, being being generous. And there's a Adam Grant who's who's the the you know best-selling author Wharton business professor says uh he has this concept of the five minute favor, which is where something you could easily do for somebody like Jaron, I could go and review your new book. I could give you an Amazon review and that would be pretty helpful for your book and it would only take me a couple minutes. And it falls within this window of something you could do that could really help somebody, giving them some good ideas, introducing them to the right person, reviewing their business on Yelp, whatever it might be. It doesn't take you much time, but it really benefits them. So I'm constantly looking for ways that I can give people five-minute favors. And that starts to build trust in the relationship that starts to um, just tell the universe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm investing in these relationships and it, it allows abundance to come through the many different facets through these relationships. Um, and I would say it also gets, it's also important to, to know like what kind of value you can add to people uh, in relationships. You know, what, what things are you connected to? Are you connected to, organizations, what expertise you have, you know, what are the ways that you can add value and what are ways that you're looking for and getting really good at asking people for the things that you need help with. So I always say in relationship, there's three golden questions. You can say, well, the first one is, is great. How can I help you? Uh, because then you're, you're placing yourself in a, in a place of service. But the other two are what, what ideas do you have for me? Hey, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to write a book. I'm trying to host the host a festival. And you know, here's what I'm trying to do. Do you have any ideas for me? And who do you think I should talk to? And then it lets them get creative and be a giver to you. It lets them participate in, in what you're trying to do and co-create with you. So thinking of abundance through the lens of relationships, adding to those relationships, and then using the three golden questions when you're having a conversation with somebody when you're networking, how can I help? What ideas do you have for me? And who do you think I should talk to? Wow, nicely stated. Jay Banks, talk to us about how you leave each person that crosses your path with the impression of increase. Yes, um, <clears throat> I wanted to first comment on Derek's um, great overview of abundance. I completely agree with what he's saying, especially around relationships. Um, and that, that it's just so powerful because I'm really understanding that more and more. And, you know, we hear things again and again. It's just deeper and deeper in my life. And I actually wanted to share something here that I came across the other day. Um, just in my readings, right, I was reading the book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. And I've had this book for a while, but for some reason I've never read this one chapter, which makes a lot of sense in my life. But there's a chapter in here that says, why some men, and you can, you know, this book is kind of dated, you can say why some men or why some women do not get a raise in pay. Now, this correlates directly to what we're talking about. Now, listen to these words. And this really impacted me. Um, 
It says, if you are working in a large organization and you are silently thinking of and resenting the fact you are underpaid, that you are not appreciated, and that you deserve more money and greater recognition, you are subconsciously severing your ties with that organization. Now, it then says you are setting a law in motion that the superintendent or manager will say to you, we have to let you go. And it says, actually, it says you dismissed yourself from the job. <laughs> so I, that really struck home for me because I like to always share examples from my own life. And this goes right into your question, Dwight. You know, I really share stories from my life, and this has happened to me twice, and I didn't completely realize it until I read this, right? I've, I've worked in the tech industry for years. There were two companies that I was one of the top producers. Um, everyone there said I was one of the best people there. But the same thing happened in both companies. They said, but your attitude, right? They said your attitude was not the best. And I thought I had a good attitude. But when I came back and read this, I realized that silently that's what I was thinking the whole time. When I was talking to friends, I was talking to family, I was like, man, they're not paying me enough. I'm doing too much work. They're not recognizing the work that I'm doing. You hear all that? Like the language you hear, I'm just creating that whole picture. And then eventually, both places, they let me go. And what's powerful about it is, is that I read this and I said, wow, uh, when, I, when you take responsibility, I realized, wow, I dismissed myself. Now, how did I dismiss myself? Well, part of that was, going back to what Derek said, my attitude and how people view me, that's based on my relationships. Now, we also have relationships with ourselves. We have relationships with our family and friends. But I think sometimes we forget about our relationships with a company or a corporation or a job or a manager because a lot of times these organizations operate in such a formal business way, sometimes we, you know, we separate it. Oh, well, that's business and this is personal. But in reality, those are all of our relationships and how we operate and relate to people and take care of people. And to go back to some of Derek's points, um, that's one thing that I've improved in my life since those, those great lessons or great mistakes, right, mistakes or mistakes in a movie. Um, I've realized the most important piece is how you relate or treat someone. It's not about the job you necessarily did or you did good work. People do remember that, but people remember more how you made them feel. So, um, you know, coming back to your question, I think the first step with anyone is really, again, I think we're, we've been harping on this over and over again, is really thinking about what you're choosing to create or, like, what your goal is. And then you start to, you can almost reverse engineer it, and you start to set up every aspect of your life that has to match that. And to me, it's beautiful because there's some goals that we set, right, and we realize, oh, wow, I have some work to do to actually become that person, right, to actually get to that level. And so it's like we create our own universities within ourselves, right? And so we start to work on that. So I would say really as a whole, and again, to kind of go back to this day, you know, honoring uh, Dr. King, 
you know, once you have that vision or that dream, that's the starting point. And then you're, you're able to set everything else around that and you can actually start to test yourself against that. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. If, if I'm, you know, if I'm wealthy, would I operate this way? And then you're like, well, no, why would I be worrying about paying my bills? Right. Or why would I be upset about something like this? If I, if I was a great husband or a great father or a great brother or a great leader, would I be complaining like this or, or whining or being lazy? You know, you start to check yourself. So, and we all go through that. We're not, you know, there's days when I don't even want to get out of bed. That happens, you know, but we have those visions and those dreams to help pick us up and keep going. And we make mistakes, but the powerful piece is that the mistakes usually are what teach us or help form us to become the person that we're looking to become. So thank you for uh, asking that question. And again, thank you, Derek, for the thing, the pieces that you're adding here. I, I'm really pleased that uh, Dwight has, uh, you know, had us both on the call together. I think it's a good synergy and a lot of good um, things that we're able to relate on this call. Awesome. Fittingly stated. We're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show. The show is spiritual, inspirational, motivational, expressing enlightening, powerful, electrifying, transformational content that anyone can take and apply to any area of their life to change their life for the better or to change their life for the best. you got to be the change that you want to see. Derek, um, you've had the, the fortune of uh, having a few battles uh, with a certain pro-cyclist uh, uh, please uh, dive into that and share that with us. <laughs> so I I had a dream as a kid of being a pro cyclist, and it, you, you know, um, Jerome, what were you saying earlier about when when you don't even notice when you're talking about something and it's coming from your heart? Uh, I was just so obsessed with biking and bike racing, and eventually I got good enough, and I was uh, able to race against Lance. Um, at the same time, I was also racing against uh, Floyd Landis. Both of these guys had just won the Tour de France. Uh, it was before we knew Lance was, was uh, a doper, before he sort of admitted that. And that was, I actually, I sort of stopped working so hard to become a pro cyclist after that, because it was sort of the peak experience of my career was, was being in this, this race. It was a you know, week-long race down in New Mexico called the Tour of the Gila. But the very first day, I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to find out what makes Lance Armstrong so good. And so I followed him around all day. And not only, you know, he he may have been doping at the time. This was during his comeback. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but even if he was clean, he he just, you would, he had this vibe about them. Like, he's, he's the boss. He's, he's moving so flawlessly and seamlessly through the peloton. The peloton is, you know, all the, you know, let's say 200 of us are in this group because we're drafting and there's aerodynamics. So we're all like a school of fish. And so we're racing along at 30 miles an hour and I'm just following Lance Armstrong around all day. Uh, I don't think he even noticed, or maybe he's used to young guys trying to get some secret sauce from him or something, but it, it, it really just unbelievable how, how easy he made it look. And, um, you know, he, he attacked and he went in a breakaway. So I had to follow him. I went in a breakaway and I was, you know, that was, that was probably the, the best moment of my entire cycling career was being in a breakaway with Lance Armstrong and just being blown away by 
by how good he was. And and so after that experience, I, I realized there's there's no way I'm ever going to be that good. And as limited genetically, I'm limited in my motivation. I, I I'm willing to work hard, but these guys are they have something to prove. They have a chip on their shoulder, or there's some motivation that they have that I that I just didn't have. And so I was like, you know what? I think I can I think I can wrap up this pro pro sports career and be satisfied and and go and explore another part of my life. Um, but it, it was really cool, yeah, just to be there in, in these races with these guys uh, and, and sort of live, live the life for, for a couple of years. <laughs> wow. I'm going to interject uh, another poem, and then I'm going to come to Jay Banks. This one's titled, I've Got My Mind On It. I got my heart in it, and it has an unbelievable beat. I've got my heart in it, and due to the small voice within, I be hearing deep. I've got my heart in it, and I'm expressing my faith. I know that I know I can teach. I got my mind on it, and I'm always being authentic with me. I got my mind on it, and all my promises to myself I'm going to keep. I've got my mind on it. And I have an amazing and pleasing personality. I've got my mind on it. And I'm operating from the vantage point of intentionality. I've got my mind on it. And I am calm, serene, and tranquil like the sea. I've got my mind on it. And I am at total peace like the umpire within me. I've got my mind on it. And I'm being creative with the law of creativity. I've got my mind on it, and I'm reaching further than even I thought I would reach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm releasing immortal truths, and I am far more than just Dwight Lee. I've got my mind on it, and I'm demonstrating all the greatness inside of me. I've got my mind on it, and I'm always, yo, I be thinking deep. I've got my mind on it, all of my art produced thus far is of the highest quality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm enjoying being surrounded by natural beauty. I've got my mind on it, and I'm reaching feats that only I am knew I would reach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm consistently and persistently embracing posterity. I've got my mind on it, and I'm discovering more of my own potentialities. I've got my mind on it, and I'm going further into tapping into my possibilities. I've got my mind on it, and I'm dominating deliberately. I've got my mind on it, and that specific material manifestation is for Dwight Lee. I've got my mind on it, and I'm constantly receiving financial prosperity. I've got my mind on it, and through my spirit it is revealed I am part of the elite. I've got my mind on it, and I'm sort of like... MJ, LeBron, Kareem, and Dr. Martin Luther King, I too have a dream. You've been a witness. Now give your testimony. Jay Banks, uh, talk to us about the favorite part of your new book that's going to be dropping in less than 24 hours. Yeah, actually, my new book has dropped. Uh, it's, it's dropping today. I already have people... Uh, 
purchasing it and getting it. Um, the most my, my most favorite part of the book is really right at the start where um, I talk about one of the I would say most powerful stories that's happened in my life. Um, it was a very low point and high point at the same time. Um, and just to briefly give a little bit about it, um, I played uh, college basketball. I played basketball from fifth grade all the way up to about probably I was uh, 25. Um, had aspirations to play uh, D1 basketball, which I did. I uh, also had aspirations to be able to go uh, pro. I didn't make it to that level because of some injuries. And um, one of the first major stories in the book is it talks about one of the major injuries that I had and basically a doctor telling me that I wouldn't play basketball again. Um, so if you can imagine a expert right, coming in and giving you a diagnosis of what the injury is, but then also telling you what kind of giving you, like, what your destiny is, right, saying, well, you know, you're not going to be able to play basketball again, um, much less walk again. And um, in that in that story, I, t I kind of tell of a special situation that happened that night. I'm not going to give all that information. Uh, that would be a little bit longer, but basically I, I received a vision. Um, in in that night, but it was like it, I was at my lowest point. Like I just I didn't have any place else to go. It was like I just kind of surrendered, right? And um, I was able to see a vision of myself actually playing again and doing other things. And that's what I held on to. Um, I didn't listen to the doctor. I didn't listen to anybody else. And I just kind of went and created my own image of what I wanted to do. And uh, I went through a lot of pain and struggle and um, rehabbed and came back the next year and I played again. So, um, you know, to go back to Derek's point earlier, uh, I think that's a crucial piece that I share also a lot with clients and people I meet. Um, you know, we have goals and dreams that we go after. Sometimes those are kind of given to us by society or there's images of what success should be or, you know, your parents tell you something or you have this idea of what you think you want to go do. But if you're not really prepared to to do certain things to get to that point, that may not be the thing that really drives you or you're passionate about. You know, I know Derek mentioned that about seeing Lance Armstrong and those guys. I've been around other athletes like that. You know, we've heard you can look at Michael Jordan the same way. There's certain things that he did that other basketball players would just be like, man, it's it's not worth that much. You know what I mean? So you you really have to find that thing in your life that you'll do anything for. And in that moment in my life, that was one of those things, right? The doctor said I wouldn't play ball again. And it just, like, I just grew this fire within myself to say, hey, I'm going to do this again, no matter what I have to go through. And I went through a lot to come back, right? Um, and there's more in the book and in the story about that. but. That was a turning point in my life, um, and then it was one of those things where as I, because I was only 18 then, and as I kept looking back in my life, I kept saying to myself, how, how did I do that? 
right? And I think that's the next piece that we come to is like, you want to be able to repeat that again. And I shared that part of it is like you have to really be, you have to have a burning desire and a passion to do that. And it's something that we have to learn on our own um, what that really is. And the other thing is I, I wanted to be able to systemize that, right, to learn how to do that again for myself, but to be able to teach other people. So I'm sharing part of that now, but also I've shared a lot of that in the book. And, of course, I'm still learning and growing, and um, I'll never call myself personally to anyone else a master or a guru or anything like that because I, I feel I'm always constantly growing and learning and there's always something else, uh, you know, for me to add on. So I would say that that's my favorite part of the book. That's right at the start of the book. They always say, you know, I've been learning a lot about marketing. They say, put, put your best stuff forward first. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what I like about the book the most. Secondarily, I would say I like the fact that at the end of the book, I put actual steps um, I call it a quest. So I put quest steps for a person to actually implement certain things that I shared in the book so they can actually go do that in their life, right? So it's one thing for us to learn or read knowledge, right, and put it up and, and put it up on a shelf. It's another thing to implement what you've read and to start experimenting and being the own re you know, researcher in your life and um, seeing your own results. That's what's really going to allow the information to make a change um, and give you different results. And so I added that at the end of the book as well, um, hoping that people will continue to go forward and use some of the examples that I gave or use my examples to create their own, right, as a foundation. So that's what I would share about um, my favorite parts of the book. Man, phenomenal. Um, Derek, I want to ask you, uh, two things. I'm going to let you close it. One, I want to know about that powerful story uh, of your defining moment. And here's the reason why, because during the pandemic, it's a lot of time of adversity, um, overcoming and redefining and really reestablishing, you know, who you are, you know, what you desire to do and what you actually do um, from, from the homeless to the riches of the rich. I believe that the pandemic has tried everybody. So um, you have a powerful story. Um, please share that with us and then wrap up with self image. Yeah, I think uh, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head there what I would consider to be like a like a a humanity wide or, or collective sort of ego death. And and what I mean is that we're sort of rewriting our identity as humanity in some ways. And you know, I can I can pinpoint the moment when I sort of realized that happened to me. I was riding a motorcycle in Bali and I stopped at the at the beach and I realized that I had no identity. I was I was there was nothing that I could say that I was or did. It was very freeing in a way, but also very confusing. Did not really know who I who I was. Just I'm just a person here in this moment. And it was because 
all the things of my life, all the trajectories had uh, sort of gone away. Uh, and and what I what I mean by that is I had my my wife and I had just separated. We we were married for a year and a half. We got divorced. I had a traumatic brain injury, which essentially part, partly led to me dropping out of my PhD program. Um, so I no longer had my science career. I no longer had my marriage. I lost my house in a flood, uh, just a freak freak accident flood. And so there I was, you know, with almost no possessions in Bali, alone with no identity. And from there, you know, just like Martin Luther King, I had to start with, what do I want? I have a dream. What is my dream? And I think, you know, some people may be experiencing that now. You know, their their career is taken away, or, or their health, or their relationship, or or something. Or you know, our, our systems are starting to to change and, and restructure themselves. So I think together we're we're going through this sort of who who we used to be, this identity of what we thought we were going to be, or some, you know, sort of unconscious script we were running, uh, will will have to to be rewritten in some way. And uh, what you know, what a perfect day to talk about this, Martin Luther King Day, and and saying, you know, what do what do we stand for? What do we want in our future? What if if we were to create, if I had it my way, what does my dream for humanity look like? And uh you know, it could be a great practice for people to actually sit down and, and think and or, or write down, you know, if you had it your way, what, what would your dream be for a society, for humanity, for your own life, for your family, all these things. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so I was happy, happy to, to go through that and uh, sort of get rid of my entire path and my entire script so that I could become who, who I am today. Uh, there's one other piece Lee, that you, you wanted me, uh, did you say self-image, is that? Mm-hmm. Self-image. Self-image. Yeah, talk to us about your perspective or vantage point on self-image, you know, and how it, how it basically regulates everything in your life. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are working backwards. They, they want to go out and do a bunch of things so that they can have something, they can have success, they can have a family house, car relationship, whatever it is, so that then they can feel a certain way. And that's, that's really working backwards because if you, if you think about, uh, let's take smoking as a great example. A non-smoker doesn't have to think, like, today am I going to smoke or not? You know, it's just they're a non-smoker. And a smoker the same way. It's just a natural thing for them because it's their identity. It's their self-image. I am this type of person. I am a person like this. And so if you can if you can work from, you know, who would I be if I already had what I want? Who would I be if I was already wealthy? Who would I be if I was already healthy? Who would I be if I was already in a relationship with the person of my dream? And, and the identity will will sort of inform your habits it'll inform your emotions it'll inform your actions the things that you're doing so work from your identity level who do i need to be to get the things that i want and it'll flow so much easier from there nicely stated 
We're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show with your host, Lee, from the DFW Metroplex, Derek Loudermitt and Jaron Banks. I'm going to close with a poem and two quotes. This poem is titled Ambition. My only hope was to use my faith to cope. With everything in my name, I'm expecting big gains because of my championship spiritual DNA and my blood in my veins. Because of my ambition, I was always honorable mention. I do not believe in luck or superstition. They got to respect me because of my ambition. They got to respect me because of my ambition. Courage to serve in the proper capacity and embrace my true mission. In the class of life that I am in me, pay close attention. My requirement to win taught me how to orchestrate the power of intention. They got to respect me because of my ambition. They got to respect me because of my ambition. I am telling my vision. My magnificent obsession kept me consistently immersed in space repetition. The I am in me saw to it that I be a champion. I am limitless, and I am like Jehovah God in this dispensation. They got to respect me because of my ambition. They got to respect me because of my ambition. The first quote is, A dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work, General Colin Powell. And the final quote is, if one advances confidently in the direction of his or her dreams and endeavors to live the life which they have imagined, they will meet with success unexpected in common hours. Henry David Thoreau. This closes the special edition, Martin Luther King, Sudden Eye Impact Show. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, John Banks. Thank you, Doug and BBS Radio. Discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life and most importantly in business on Sudden Eye Impact. With your host, with your host, Lee, Lee, Lee.